Hello, welcome to The Plants We Eat. This is a podcast that investigates the science, culture, and history behind the plants that we use for food. My name is Jeff Gilman. I'm the director of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens and a plant history enthusiast. And I'm Cindy Proctor, part-time instructor from Central Piedmont Community College in Charlotte and a garden coach professional. Today, today we're going to take a look at the peach. Great. I I love peaches. I grew up with peaches. Um, we had them on, you know, we, we had them growing out in front of the house. That amazes uh, me, by the way. What, the, that uh, we had peaches up there? Yes. Didn't you grow up in Pennsylvania? That's the center for peach production. Well, it's always the, South it's, Carolina. No, it's not. Well, you know what? We're going we're gonna to get to that. We're okay. going to talk okay. about all this because the peach has a, has a fascinating history. Uh, so let's start off with some of the basics. Peach is very closely related to plums, nectarines, almonds, apricots, and is not distantly related to apples and pears. Yes. These are these are all things that are pretty close. It, apples and pears are are like disease ridden, and peaches, you know, they have their issues, but it's not as bad. Not quite. They 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 actually have more insect issues, but they do have a bacterial spot and some right. other major issues. Um, peaches originally from China. Uh, you know, you've heard of the Georgia peach. Well, the Georgia actually produces less than 5% of the <laughs> nation's peach crop. Georgia isn't actually even where the peach started in the United States. Peach actually started uh, in St. Augustine in Florida in the 1550s. So I want to start off by talking a little bit about the peach in Georgia. Not, not a lot, just a little bit. The reason I want to start there is because although you know, I grew up in uh, Pennsylvania and we had peaches there, I first got into the peach in Georgia. And I have had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with peaches. I love peaches. And I've had a lot of time to meet some of the people um, who've helped develop peaches over the years. And uh, I, some of the stuff I'm going to talk about today comes from a book called The Georgia Peach. The guy who wrote The Georgia Peach is a guy named William Thomas Oakey. He's a professor at Kennesaw State. And so I saw this, I saw, I started reading bits of this book and I found it really interesting. Some of the stuff was very relevant for this show, some wasn't. You know, it, it was a book. They can spend a lot of time on stuff in a book. We can't spend that much time here. But I found the book absolutely fascinating. But I keep coming back to that name, William Thomas Oakey. I know this name. I know this name, Oakey. Why do I know this name? Then I remembered, I knew this guy's dad. Oh. So I did entomology research, uh, mostly on pecans, but I did a little bit of work in peaches. Not a lot, but a little bit in peaches while I was down in Georgia. And I visited a place called the Byron Lab. It was in Byron, Georgia. Makes sense. And at this lab, I met a guy named Dick Oakey. And I didn't spend a lot of time with him. But Dick Oakey was uh, an amazing breeder. In fact, about half of the peaches in Georgia are peaches that he developed, um, you know, developed the cultivars. And, you know, really neat, one of his kids actually became a historian. Um, so Dick Oakey's kid is William Thomas Oakey. He became a historian, and he focused on the peach and could actually, you know, write about the work that his dad did. And I think that is so cool. And by the way, uh, so Dick Oakey retired in 2011 from the USDA, having developed a whole lot of important peaches, including things like... Um, Fire prints and June prints. And I know that the uh, peaches aren't sold like apples. You don't know them by cultivars, but these are important cultivars. There's a whole prince series that Dick Oakey developed that are important to, to Georgia and, and the Carolinas uh, in general. And so he retired in 2011, and his son at Kennesaw State is still writing about the Georgia peach and just, just a really uh, neat thing. 
Now, Georgia is associated with the peach for a variety. Marketing. Of, for, for, well, say marketing, but it's true. Uh, you know, Georgia is the peach state. That's true. But Georgia became the peach state, actually, for a very specific reason. You see, peaches have been in the South for a long period of time, since the 1550s, okay, to some degree or another. But until the mid-1800s, peaches were kind of sporadic around the South. You'd, I mean, they'd be, they'd be everywhere. You know, they were, I won't call them a weed, but they were just about everywhere. But the center of peach production was not the South. Everybody thinks it was the South. It wasn't the South. The center of peach production until the early 1900s, the center of peach production was a little area of uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, and Delaware. Why? Peaches are native to northwest China, where the climate is much more like the northern United States Mm -hmm. than the southern United States. I'm just so surprised. Most people think of peaches as this subtropical crop. Peaches are not a subtropical crop. At least not, at least that's not where they evolved. They, they've become a southern crop. But this takes some more explaining. So growing peaches up north, um, you know, there are some pests over here that we had to spray periodically for. But peaches actually, by and large, did not get terrible, terrible problems. On the other hand, peaches in the south are known for their problems. Um, There's something called peach tree short life, which is a collection of fungi, nematodes, and insects that that attack the tree. There's peach tree borers Mm -hmm. that that attack the tree. It's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Bacterial spot, which attacks the trees. Problems which we have up north, but to a much lesser extent. Well, of course. You know, that's always here in the south where we have the humidity and the longer summers, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But what it comes down to is that peaches become very stressed out in the South. So they have all kinds of uh, problems because they weren't raised in that kind of a climate. So up until the um, 1870s, uh, what happened was that, again, you'd have peach trees all over a particular area of land, but typically they wouldn't be shipped too much. It wouldn't be a center of production. So then a few things came together to make it a center of production. The first is that the ground in the South became used up. How did it become used up? Cotton and tobacco. Cotton and tobacco were terrible for the land. You'd harvest your cotton, you'd harvest your tobacco, you'd take everything off the land, you'd remove all this topsoil, you're left with this red blech. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's if you've lived in the South, you know you got this red blech. What lives in this red blech? Weeds. And peach trees. Oh, wow. (laughs) Peach trees are able to put it up with this. Uh, Peach trees love topsoil. Don't get me wrong. But they will live in the red block. And not only will they live in it, um, over time with the dropping leaves, you know, your soil can actually be built back by having an orchard. So peach trees would live in this lousy soil. Now, the next problem to overcome was the fact that peaches just don't ship very well. Think of how soft peaches are. Mm -hmm. You can't stack them on top of each other. This changed with a guy named Samuel Henry Rumpf. Samuel Henry Rumpf is hugely important to the peach industry in Georgia and actually peaches overall because in the 1870s, he developed a peach called the Alberta. It's named for his wife. Um, Very sad story there. She had a very short life, Um, but They were named for his wife, and it became one of the most successful fruit varieties of all time. In fact, you can still buy Albertas. It's not a favored peach right now, but but you can still find it. And the Alberta peach 
would take shipping very well. Now, not only did Samuel Henry Rumpf develop the Alberta Peach, he also developed the refrigerated rail car. Oh. And between the refrigerated rail car and the Alberta Peach, the South and and planting all of these peach trees because of the destroyed land, the South became the center of peach production in the world. Now, over time, California took over. Uh, If you look at production right now, California is number one, South Carolina is number two, and then you've got Georgia, and then, you know, a bunch of others. North Mm -hmm. Carolina isn't too far off that pace. But um, so that's how how it all developed. Uh, If you remember way, way back to our Apple episode, you'll remember how the Apple's almost a Frankenstein, because you have to have this specially developed rootstock, you have this specially developed top. The peach is kind of the same, except in a slightly different way. The peach tree has to have a special rootstock to put up with, I mentioned peach tree short life. Now it's more, um, peach tree short life was a problem, say, 20 years ago. Today, things have changed a little bit, but today we want a rootstock, which is nematode resistant, particularly Mm -hmm. root, not nematode. Mm -hmm. So, Whereas, you remember with apples, you'd develop uh, apple rootstock and you'd reproduce them through mound layering, through vegetative processes. Well, peach is a little bit different. You need a peach rootstock, which will put up with these nematodes in the soil, but this peach rootstock can be reproduced by simply taking peaches and planting them. Let me explain. The peach is one of the few fruits we have which is self-fertile, which means that a flower can actually pollinate itself. When the flower pollinates itself, the genome or the the genes for the plant are kept relatively the same. They're not exactly the same, but they're relatively the same. And typically, they retain the resistance to the nematode. So what happens is you grow a whole bunch of peaches. uh, You find the peach tree that's resistant to the nematodes. You take that tree and you just keep breeding it with itself. You do Mm -hmm. that for a generation or two. And then every peach that you take from that tree, every seed you can plant out, and that new plant will be resistant to nematodes. And so that's where rootstocks come from with peach, which is different than almost any other fruit tree that you can name for the rootstocks. The other thing that I find really interesting is the peach is that there are, uh, I mentioned the Prince series before, there are actually a whole slew of different varieties of peach. And they all have different flavors. Not Maybe not as much as difference as apples, but they still have very different flavors. Well, it depends what your goal is with the peach. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of people want to can them. They, they, want to, um, they want them available at different weeks, you know, in, yeah, yeah, in, it's in true. the springs, in the summer. So. But is it that different from apple? I mean, to me, it's not that different from apple. I don't understand why we don't treat the peach the same way we treat apple in that we buy them by the varieties. Some peaches are clingstone, some are freestone. And by the way, that just means if the pit clings to the flesh or if the pit is free of the flesh. Some of them are yellow-fleshed, some are white-fleshed. In fact, we even have some red-fleshed uh, mm-hmm. peaches now. Uh, so I don't understand why we're not selling these peaches based upon their cultivars. Rather than, usually they just sell them by cling or freestone. Well, so what I do is I go to a farm, and depending on when I can go is when I get my bushel Mm -hmm. of peaches, which is a fair amount. And you don't want them ripening, you know, all at once. So I'll get a mixture of uh, certain uh, varieties. And, of course, when they've picked them, I mean, it's figured out. It's McLeod's farm. 
that mm-hmm. it, they do shipping, by the way, and mm-hmm. they they really are helpful depending on what you want out of your peach. And canning is a big thing. Oh, it is. It is. I love canned peaches. Well, I didn't really know what a peach tastes like growing up in the Midwest. They were always hard. And so they're shipped hard. Yes. Used, they used to be. That, that was part of the beauty of Alberta. It could be shipped hard, you know, mm-hmm. before it ripened. But then the ripening process may or may not be successful. And it's for a variety of reasons, you know, that I haven't looked to, whether it's post-care mm-hmm. or how it was, when it was picked and all that stuff. But Peach has the same thing as tomato does, which is that a, a tomato ripened on the vine will just always taste better than a tomato that's ripened, you know. Sure. Absolutely. With the ethylene or whatever you're using. And I discovered that moving here. Right. And when I had my first peach, I was like, oh, my God. It was like, it's it was a, like it's Christmas. A, you know, it was— Peaches off the tree are an amazing experience, especially depending on variety. So one of the interesting things, growing up, we had two um, varieties of peaches. Mm-hmm. We had Red Havens and Jersey Queens. And the Jersey Queens are a bigger peach, a little bit—they uh, fill out more. Um, the Red Havens are smaller. And the Jersey Queens, I liked them both— but the Red Haven was smaller and sweeter, and the Red Havens was just so much bang when you put it in your mouth. And that vine ripened is just delicious. My mom would also do a little bit of canning, um, only for a few years. And I love those canned peaches, too. Of course, I'll, I'll still take a, a regular you know, can off the shelf at the grocery store. I actually still like those. But the ones that my mom used to make at home were so incredible. And I, I used to really kind of like it when some of our peaches had what's known as brown rot. Mm-hmm. They would, some of them would start to rot because she'd just cut the brown rot off mm-hmm. and she'd take the, the rest of the peach, which was usually overripe. And right. I'm, I'm into overripe right. stuff. And she'd either make a peach cobbler or sometimes she'd make it into which a is pie. The best. I, I love peach cobbler. I could swim in peach cobbler. Uh, you know, we talked about, I think with the blueberry episode, we talked about blueberry cobbler. I like blueberry cobbler. I like apple cobbler. Peach cobbler. I would uh, I would kill for. I I'd mean, you know, I kill a cockroach for it. Kill a cockroach for, for peach cobbler. I just love peach cobbler. Now, can we grow them here? Do you think uh, peaches? Yeah. Well, of course. If I you know. Pick, if you pick the right variety. Okay. Absolutely. In fact, let me let me. You know, this is this is actually a really important point. A lot of people listening probably don't know about is that peaches are very specific to different areas. And the way that the peach moves south is because peaches were developed, which had less need for chilling. Remember last week, we talked about cranberries needing chilling. Well, chilling is a big, big deal with peaches. Some peaches will take as little as 350 hours of chilling. What does 350 hours of chilling mean? means 350 hours of temperatures between 33 Mm -hmm. and 45 degrees Fahrenheit. So up north in Minnesota, you could actually grow peaches in Minnesota, but you'd be looking for a tree that would take about 1,200 chilling Mm -hmm. hours, and the trees in the south take 300 chilling hours. And to take it a step further, what do the chilling hours actually do? They regulate bloom. So at 300 hours of chilling, that would trigger the tree to bloom. A tree up north that was ready for, you know, that needs 1,200 hours, you bring that to the south, it's never going to get the 1,200 hours. Gonna, it will eventually bloom, but it'll bloom at the wrong time. You're not going to get reasonable fruit. Now, sometimes we have problems with late frosts. Yes. And that's a, that'll kill the, the peach crop. But you go something with a little longer chilling hours, mm-hmm. you're more likely to avoid the, the mm-hmm. frost. Of course, then if you don't get enough chilling hours, it never blooms. If you take a tree from the south that needs 350 chilling hours and you move it to, again, to a Minnesota, mm-hmm. 
what'll happen is that you'll get those 350 hours by you know December, and basically have one warm day in January, February, whatever the tree could bloom, and clearly you're going to have shoot up in Minnesota. We had frost through May, mm-hmm. so we you would obviously get another plant uh, frost. So the the cold up in Minnesota wouldn't kill the peach, but the short need for chilling hours would cause you to lose a lot of blooms. Mm-hmm. Neat stuff. Huh? Now there are ornamental peaches that don't bear much edible fruit well, that are really to, beautiful. You're gonna have to tell me about those because you know I'm into the. Well, who wouldn't be in the fruit? The others are just fun to have in the garden, and they're rare. And they're kind of fun. But let's have a peach tree instead because it bears fruit. We can do that. You know, one of the fun things about peaches is that um, you can— I think I mentioned before that plums, nectarines, almonds, apricots are all related to the peach. Mm -hmm. They can actually all be grafted together. Mm -hmm. And so you can have a tree that produces apricots, plum, peaches, nectarines. I think you should do that here. I actually think I should too. Wouldn't that be cool to have that in the gardens? You're you're in charge. We have got to do that. That's okay. I'm in. And then, you know, before we started this show, you were, you were expressing annoyance, and I think it is worth pointing out if anybody wants to grow a peach tree. <laughs> um, they do take, and I remember this growing up because we had to do it. I, I didn't find it as heinous as you do, but they do need pruning. They need significant pruning. And they're a short-lived tree. Yes, they are. And I, it, it's not that I don't—it's it, just tricky. Yes. It's tricky. It's a very specific type of pruning. It is a specific type of pruning, and it's, it's a little complicated. The idea behind uh, pruning a peach tree is to open up the canopy. It has what's known as an open center to get more light into the tree. Because it needs all day sun. Yeah, and if you're not willing to do it, um, I'm not going to say you won't get peaches because you will, but it, good pruning really increases your yield. Let's, let's put it that well, way. Well, you have to be careful because if you prune the wrong time of year, you're not going to get fruit or flower, you know. If you prune the wrong time of year, you'll lose the tree. Of course. And that's something that we uh, learned. There are actually a number of diseases and insects that attack this tree, and we, we mentioned some of them during this show, but you prune them at the wrong time, you bring in insects, you bring in disease. Mm-hmm. Um, also, trees are short-lived. I mean, a, a, a tree in an orchard is it's considered, at one time, is considered to be doing well if it lived seven years. We're not in that stage anymore, but if you get 20 years out of a tree, a peach, you, you're quite lucky. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad that you suggested this one, too. This was a fun you're on one. You're on a roll. Uh, yeah. Hey, cranberry and peach. Uh, hey, I think I remember what our next one is going to be. Vanilla. I can't wait. That's going to be fun. That is. This has been The Plants We Eat, produced by the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens, the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences at uh, UNC Charlotte, and the Isle Group. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to talking to you about vanilla next week. <laughs>